0: You are listening to the airing cupboard, the podcast where the extraordinary stories of ordinary people get an airing. Phew, that's a mouthful. Hello and welcome back into the airing cupboard. I hope you've all had a very good month. And most importantly, a very happy Christmas. For us here in the UK, things are on the up. Well, maybe not on all accounts if you are following the news, but we have passed and survived the shortest day. From here on, every day, we will have a wee bit more light. So here I am, self-isolating with Covid, And by the way, before you do wonder, no, I do not self-isolate inside the airing cupboard. But 10 days is quite long for me. And so I'm using this time to work on the backlog of the stories I wanted to voice. And this is how I got in touch with Casey. Now, I didn't know Casey. She lives in the state of Missouri in the United States. And she had a story I liked a lot. It often surprises me how, even through text messages and emails, one is able to get a feel of someone. The punctuation they use, the speed at which they reply, what they say through their sentences, and, most importantly, what they don't say. And with Casey, it was obvious. Such positive energy all starts of her messages, warmth, genuine desire to connect, openness, and a sheer enthusiasm for life. And now that I know her story, well, it all makes sense. Casey was born in St. Louis, in the state of Missouri in the United States, in the very late 1950s. Her father's family had emigrated from Denmark. I suppose that's where she got her blonde hair, framing the round face and deep blue eyes. Her mother was a schoolteacher and her father was a land surveyor. Casey was their first child. When she was only about 10 months old, the young family moved from the city onto a property in Chesterfield, a farming community about 30 miles outside of the city. At the time, it felt like the edge of the world. The house itself was very small, nothing grand, perched on the bluffs at the end of a steep windy drive. The young family could see the Missouri River from the living room, and at night the light From a towboat as it swept back and forth on its journey along the river. The outdoors provided endless opportunities for adventure and fun, and Casey said to me that almost as soon as she arrived on the property, she started walking. Now, I know that every toddler starts walking one day, but somehow I heard the words and I liked the analogy. Even a father who tended to be slightly withdrawn in his own bubble, loved it, and quickly he had let all of his fantasies become. He had been a gymnast in high school and he had installed a trapeze with a circus net beneath on which one could drop after a good swing, two trampolines, swings, a cord into a tree to climb high, high. It was just like a massive circuit of agility and fun. Those very early childhood years had been good and in total unison with the child's innate need for fun. Discovery and adventure. But as Casey grew, as the young child entered the years of consciousness, happiness seemed to peel away a little. Casey's sister was born three years later, and her brother three years after that. Her mother had stopped teaching to look after the family. But she wasn't just looking after the family, she seemed to be looking after the entire neighborhood, involved in the local school, local church. Girl Scouts, her energy seemed endless, but the child felt she was only peripheral to it. All she wanted, as any little girl would, was to be central to her mother's life. But she couldn't really, and so she did the only thing she could do, conform to the idea her mother had for her, of her, fit in the little box that had been carefully and orderly organized for her. The child tried hard to shine for her mother, reading books well before other children of the same age, working well at school but still, she felt she remained mostly tailgating in the energy her mother was endlessly giving to others. There was a natural ebullience in the child, a need for fun, adventure, light, She feels now, as an adult, there was no room for it in the little box she had been given to fit in. As for her father, who had given her so much taste for experience and fun in her early childhood, he had reeled himself back into his own world a little, and the child tried hard, so hard, to make herself seen by him. He was there, but he wasn't present. And so Casey withdrew and grew lonely, and all the light inside her dimmed down a little. Of course, it was still there, but her whole world became a little sombre, and soon the tree with the cord had become a refuge. The child would climb high in its canopy with a book or two and hide there from the world and read, 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 and escape in an imaginary world where she would travel to faraway lands, go and have adventures live life. And as the years passed, as teenagehood came knocking at her door, the lonelier she grew, the more desperate she was to fit in with others, the more she felt she was different from others. Atypical, awkward, terribly shy. Firstly, her body grew ever so quickly and ever so tall, five foot ten by the time she was fourteen, Ironic, really, for a child that had been so desperate to be noticed. And she hated her tallness. She also disliked where she lived. By then, the little house had been replaced by a much bigger and more comfortable one, but still, it was in the middle of nowhere. All the other kids lived next to one another, involved in each other's after-school activities. Casey was on her own, with a tall body, on a remote property with a controlling mother not being let to experience the world out of home, not allowed to meet friends in their own houses, to experience life. And so, the teenager ended up shrinking further into this little box. Speaking to Casey, though, I quickly realized it hadn't been all bad with her mother. She remained somehow formidable for Casey. And... She was the one that first opened her to something that was going to be the backdrop of her life. Serendipity, and what her mother used to call small world stories.
1: So my mom, she was both overbearing and an amazing dynamic woman at the same time, where she wouldn't let me go to people's houses after school but she'd come home from somewhere and tell me that she had this small world story and that's like what we call synchronicity or um, serendipity now and she had them all the time like we lived in the country and she'd suddenly think about one of the kids that she taught when she taught fifth grade and then she'd like be at the post office or the little grocery store and one of them would be there and so she'd she'd just like come home and tell me these stories. And she told me so many stories that finally I would just, you know, as I got to be a teenager, I would just roll my eyes and just be like, mother, not again. But in the end, she bathed me. She surrounded me with the joy of serendipity and and the stories. And even to the the last day that she was alive, she had another one for me. She was so powerful, the way she attracted um, that energy. So it, it, was, an, it was crazy, because like I hated her, and I loved her all at the same time. Casey
0: did well at school. She went to college, and with age came more independence. At last, and despite her lack of confidence, she was able to open herself to the world hungry to experience it all, to taste it all. At last she embraced the rebellions that run through her veins. Would she have been half as avid to live life to the fullest, had she not been so sheltered in her childhood? Only she knows, but I wonder. Do you know the toy, Jack, in the box? Have you watched this colorful puppet jump out of the box in an explosion of color and joy? Well, It was like a jack-in-the-box moment. And so, she found herself saying yes to every single opportunity that life put in her way. She had this feeling inside her that if something was presented to her, she should just go for it and see where that took her. She experienced with fashion, from the hippie style and colors to the 80s with the vinyl nails and the big hair. She progressed nicely into work with an OK and why not attitude, and even found herself signed in by a modeling agency, doing fashion shows, one after the other. In her mid-twenties, a routine test detected a problem with her kidneys, but that wasn't going to stop her in her momentum, and although she was closely monitored by the kidney disease team at the hospital, she carried on consuming life, hungry for Joy. She was married at 34. And almost at the same time, her kidneys failed. She needed a transplant. Now, I'm not very familiar with it all, but I understand that to find a match, to find the right donor, it is like looking for a needle in a haystack. There are so many different parameters to consider: low blood pressure, low protein in the urine, compatible blood types, The donor must be very healthy and in no risk of renal failure for the rest of their life. For compatibility reasons, more than half of donors are related to the recipient. And so, Casey's brother and sister were both considered. Her brother was dismissed as a donor, but her sister was a match. And she gave Casey one of her kidneys. And with that, a new lease of life. And she put it to good use jumping onto the corporate ladder at work and her career just took off, working for a multinational, traveling the world, meeting people, climbing the ladder. Sadly, after 14 years, her marriage came to a brutal end and after a painful divorce, Casey learned to live independently again. It took some time and adjustment but six years later, in her early 50s, She was happy, healthy, the kidney transplant was holding well, contented, confident in her body at last, buoyant with energy, successful in her work and career, friends all over the world and looking for love was really the very last thing on her mind. She was somehow peacefully settling down into middle age and of course that is when it all happened. So Casey was in Denver for work. She was supposed to meet up with her colleague Maria for an event the firm was organising in the park. But Maria's plane had been delayed and so Casey frantically tried to contact someone else from the firm to run the event. She picked up her mobile phone and sent a text to another co-worker. But the text message never reached the intended recipient. Maybe one digit of the number must have been wrong. And instead, it went to a stranger. The text said Hi, it's Casey. I was supposed to connect with Maria at the park, but her flight was delayed, so I am at the West End. Wanted to see if I could connect with anyone else. And quickly, a reply came through Sorry, you've got the wrong number, but if I wasn't headed for work, I would come down and hang. Now, Most of us would have probably thought, oops, and, you know, would have left it at that. But not Casey, she replied. And something extraordinary happened. The stranger replied too. That was Henry, 850 miles away, driving to his dead-end job at the paint store. He was a bit of a restless soul, and he was only days away from embarking on a big solo road trip. West. He wanted to immerse himself in nature, see the stars. At the age of 23, he needed to figure things out about his unhappy relationship, his job, the possibilities of going back to college, about his life. He needed to have some time on his own and reconnect with himself and the universe. That errand text message had managed to connect kindred spirits and so they texted for a week they exchanged thoughts spoke about music books recommending authors or films to each other and through each message the connection between them grew stronger truer more vibrant weaving their minds together where age distance and social expectations had no bearing and when they decided to meet at a music concert in St. Louis when he had stood behind her and put his hands lightly on her hips she did what she had always done in life she took it in her stride.
1: And at that moment if I'd been a different woman I would have looked over my shoulder at him and said hey bucko this is not what's happening but instead I thought, well, maybe this is what's happening. This is what's happening. And maybe this is what I go with. And so that like embarked us into this adventure of, now I'm a 52 year old woman with a 23 year old boyfriend and he looks like he's 17. And then do I, how do I feel about that? As, is the world going to judge me? Am I going to be seen as like a weird old woman? Like a cougar, right? That was a term that was really big back in the day too. And instead, I decided it was my ego that I needed to say, okay, I think that this is my test to pass. And then be okay with no matter how old I looked or how young he looked, that it was going to be fine and that that's what I wanted to do, and it's what I embraced then. It took me about three months before I was over feeling um, shy or embarrassed about it.
0: Henry did go west to clear his head and see the stars. But his head was full of Casey, and in the stars, he seeked out a round face with smiley blue eyes, long blonde hair. And soon, Casey received another text from Henry, Three simple little words containing all the mystery and magic of the universe. I love you. Three years later, Casey and Henry got married in front of the flood wall of the Mississippi River in St. Louis, along a stretch where graffiti artists had been showing off their work for decades. It was one of Henry's favorite spots in St. Louis. Casey wore a long hippie white and pink dress. They both looked so happy on their photographs. But soon, life was to try and deliver them a blow. Casey's kidney started failing. Illness, stays in hospital, dialysis. The situation quickly became dire. The doctors started speaking about another transplant as the only solution. And of course, Henry asked to be considered as a donor. I suppose most spouses would do the same, but the chance of being a match is so remote because, as we heard earlier, the organs may not well be compatible in terms of blood and tissue types, and such poor matching can cause the immune system to reject the organ. But Henry's blood was all positive, the universal donor. And of course, his body was young and fit. And, amazingly, and against all the odds, the test came back. Henry was a perfect match. He was going to gift one of his kidneys to his wife, Casey. And on Tuesday, the 9th of April, 2019, Henry and Casey, both in their hospital gowns, shared a moment together, eyes locked, wishing each other well, before both being taken into theatre and Henry's kidney being walked from his operating room to Casey's next door, a gift. And I do wonder, as Casey waited for the Anastasia there lying down on a hospital bed, did she think of what her mother used to call small-world stories? Did she measure the enormity of serendipity in her life, of the synchronicity of the different events that brought her here, about to receive not only the gift of life, but most importantly, the gift of love? Maybe as she closed her eyes and counted backwards from ten to one, the words from Paolo Coelho floated in her mind know that the universe is conspiring in our favor even though we may not understand how what struck me immediately with Casey was this openness to accept what was coming away not just to accept actually but to embrace it with a huge amount of joy and ebullience and that trust that acceptance has brought her where she is today. Casey's mum has recently passed away. The house on the Bluffs at the end of the windy drive, her childhood house, was left empty and was being sold. And so Henry and Casey decided to buy it. And very recently, they moved in. How was it for the 62-year-old Casey to come home, to walk through the house of her past, where the girl she used to be was so desperate to fit, to be like the others, to belong, completely unaware that it was the very fact of not fitting in the box that was going to design the extraordinary trajectory of her life. Being different was her strength, atypical beauty.
1: I was in my bedroom yesterday, my old bedroom in this house we've moved back to. It's Henry's office now. It still has the red and blue shag carpet that I picked out when I was 14. And I was so filled with joy and I shared a story with him and he got up out of his chair and came over and gave me the biggest hug. And suddenly I realized that this is the same room that I was in at 17 when I was devastated at feeling different and really wanting to belong and just longing for a boyfriend. And so now I'm 62 and I've seen my life And I'd say to that 17-year-old me, I'd say to her, Casey, you're gonna be okay because everything works. Life's a full circle and we keep going and you're gonna keep going. You have such a strong light in you, the light that you're gonna try to dim but is just gonna come bursting forth. And now I get the chance to live exuberantly and live the life that I did not know was possible for me when I was your age. And I'm so excited to be embarking on this journey for my next 30 or 40 years.
0: Et voilà. I hope you have enjoyed Casey's story. I want to thank her for trusting me with it. If you like to put face to voice and see pictures of Casey and Henry, or if you want to link up with Casey, please come and join our private Facebook group. If you have a story for me, do contact me. I'm on Instagram, on Twitter, as you heard on Facebook, and you can message me on all of those platforms. Just search for the airing cupboard and you will recognize the logo. Please rate the podcast on your podcast app, and if you have two minutes, write a review. It really makes my day to find them. Or just share the podcast with a friend. Just one friend. Send a link now to someone via WhatsApp or Messenger. Thank you so much in advance. I wish you all a very good month and most importantly, a very happy new year. And until we meet again in the airing cupboard, goodbye.